Welcome to the Practical Employment Law Podcast, a podcast covering all aspects of American employment law. I'm your host, Mark Chumley. If you follow the news, you're probably aware that non-compete agreements are under attack from multiple levels of government. I have heard from various people in the past month or so comments like, uh, the government has outlawed non-compete agreements, the Supreme Court has overturned non-compete agreements, employers can no longer use employment agreements, and so forth and so on. So there are a lot of misconceptions out there about where we are with non-compete agreements. And this seems like a good time to check in on the status of non-competes and what the future looks like for employers who rely on these agreements. Now, to be clear, I have discussed the always difficult issue of enforcing non-competes under various state laws in multiple other episodes, and I'm not going to focus on that here. In this episode, I'm just going to focus on the more recent developments uh, that call into question the continuing viability of non-compete agreements. So let's jump right in. First, let's talk about the Federal Trade Commission's proposed rule. On January 5th, 2023, the FTC published a proposed rule that would broadly ban companies from entering into non-compete agreements with their workers. It would also rescind substantially all existing non-compete agreements and require notifying all current and former employees of such rescissions. And to be clear, this FTC rule would supersede all applicable state laws. Uh, Some examples of provisions that are banned by the proposed rule include the following, and I'm quoting from the proposed rule. Uh, Quote, provisions which prevent an employee from seeking or accepting employment with a competitor after the conclusion of employment with the employer, end quote. Uh, Quote, provisions which prevent an employee from operating a business which engages in competitive activities after the employee's relationship is terminated, end quote, and, quote, Other types of restrictive covenants, which by their breadth would, in the view of the FTC, operate as de facto non-compete covenants that would prohibit the employee from engaging in either of the foregoing activities, end quote. So the current status of this FTC rule, uh, there was a lengthy notice and comment period. Uh, It was extended a couple of times. It ended in April of this year. And at present, the FTC is expected to vote on the proposed rule in April of next year. That's April 2024. Now, I've actually seen some commentators, uh, based on this lengthy period before a vote occurs, basically say, well, this, uh, this rule has been kicked down the road and we don't need to worry about it until next year. I would say not so fast. Because the thing that some commentators are ignoring or forgotten about is that the day before the rule was issued, January 4th of this year, um, and the rule was issued on January 5th, so on January 4th, the FTC actually filed administrative enforcement actions under Section 5 of the Act uh, against companies and basically arguing that the company's non-compete agreements were in violation of the Act. So the long and the short of it is the FTC is pursuing enforcement actions even without passage of the rule. So there is a threat here from the FTC 
basically toward any company that is using non-compete agreements. And where will that go? Hard to say. I believe most of the pending cases, and I think there have been four so far, have been settled by consent decrees. So really no one has challenged the FTC on this yet, and it hasn't been fully litigated. So this issue remains up in the air, and that means... You know, will the FTC continue to pursue these enforcement actions, number one? And number two, what will become of the rule when the vote occurs next year? And I'm just going to add here uh, that one of the themes to take away from this episode is right now there is a lot of uncertainty, and this is one of the areas of uncertainty. So let's look at the next level of attack on non-competes, and that would be the NLRB General Counsel Memo that was issued on May 30th of 2023, and I'll put a link to that memo in the show notes. The General Counsel's memo states that the proffer, maintenance, and enforcement of non-compete provisions in employment contracts and severance agreements violate the National Labor Relations Act except in limited circumstances. What are those limited circumstances? Well, the memo states that non-compete agreements could be lawful if the provisions clearly restrict only individuals' managerial or ownership interests in a competing business or true independent contractor relationships. Moreover, there may be circumstances in which a narrowly tailored non-compete agreement's infringement on employee rights may be justified by special circumstances. And the scope of this statement, it really applies to any employee with Section 7 rights, and that means nearly any non-supervisory employees, even those without a union, because Section 7 rights apply to all employers. Now, the current status of this memo, again, it's very unclear. The general counsel's memo closes with a direction to the NLRB regional offices to submit cases involving non-compete provisions that are, quote, arguably unlawful, end quote, and when appropriate to seek make-whole relief for employees where the agreement caused them to lose out on other employment opportunities, and this is important, even absent additional conduct by the employer to enforce the provision. Now, the first thing I would point out about that statement is obviously this means that the NLRB is looking for cases to litigate. The other thing I would note is this even absent additional conduct by the employer to enforce the provision is particularly troubling. That means that if an employee, just for example, voluntarily quits their employment and then later turns down a job because they felt it might violate their non-compete agreement, at least according to the general counsel's memo, that employee it has a viable claim and could bring a, a charge against their former employer, even though the employer wasn't even aware of any of this going on. It's really hard to say where this is going to go. As I noted, obviously the NLRB is looking for some cases to go after employers on, uh, and they may well do that. And what's the outcome? Well, again, that could be a long road for any employer who gets caught up in that kind of litigation unless they decide to just fairly quickly settle the case. Um, but again, back to the theme of uncertainty, uh, the NLRB may be going after employers, and it's really not very clear at this point what kind of traction they'll get with that and how far they'll take these cases. But I would be surprised if they don't at least find some cases and start trying them. Moving on to another area of attack on non-compete agreements, let's look at state laws. 
Uh, there was a big news story recently about Minnesota passing an outright ban on non-compete agreements, uh, and that goes into effect on July 1st, 2023. Minnesota joins three other states, California, Oklahoma, and North Dakota, with outright bans on non-compete agreements. But you should also be aware that there are several states and jurisdictions that have what I'll refer to as low-wage bans on non-compete agreements. And this means that non-compete agreements are banned in these jurisdictions for all employees under a certain set compensation level, and those levels vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. The jurisdictions that currently have some form of a low-wage ban on the books include the District of Columbia, Colorado, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Nevada, New Hampshire, Oregon, Rhode Island, Virginia, and Washington. And I will also point out that legislation has been introduced in over 30 states in the past year that would limit or clarify the use of non-competes in various contexts, and also be aware that many states already have other limitations on the use of non-competes, for example, in certain professions. So where does this leave us, and more importantly, what should employers do at this point? Well, here are a few thoughts. First, the FTC rule and the NLRB's position will come under legal attack if and when they're enforced. But the takeaway is that non-compete agreements are under attack at every level. So employers need to look at their non-compete agreements and make sure that they're narrowly tailored primarily for management-level employees. And I would just say it's probably a good idea to discourage agreements for lower-level employees. Now, in some cases, they may be appropriate and even may be necessary to an employer's business, but in general, the days of pretty much saying everybody at the company has to sign a non-compete agreement are over. Uh, Those are just going to be difficult to enforce, number one, and make a company a target, number two. The other point I would make for employers is they need to check the laws of the applicable jurisdictions where they want to enforce their agreements. There has always been requests, and I've always had requests when we draft non-compete agreements for a one-size-fits-all agreement. You know, there's there's always an urge to make things administratively easy, and employers would love to have just one agreement that they can use everywhere. But those days are over. Nationwide agreements are simply not enforceable. But I think it is important, nevertheless, to consider client interests and goals. You know, do employers need multiple agreements? Well, it depends on how much they intend to enforce them and how serious they are about the issues that lead them to want non-compete agreements in the first place. Some businesses may need very narrowly tailored non-compete agreements on a state-by-state basis to protect their business, while others might think more carefully about where they want them, and if they even need them in certain jurisdictions. Another point to consider is that we're only talking about non-compete agreements here. That is, agreements that basically say to the employee, if you leave your employment for some period of time, you won't go to work for one of our competitors. And usually there's a time limit and a geographic restriction on that. Now, That is one very specific type of agreement, but there are other agreements, including agreements that restrict post-employment activities that aren't covered by any any of these issues we're talking about, including things like confidentiality and non-disclosure agreements. And of course, 
pretty much every state and, and federal law protects employers' trade secrets. So again, there are a lot of ways that employers can protect themselves without necessarily using non-compete agreements, and most of those remain viable. The one thing I want to mention separately are non-solicitation agreements. And there's usually two different types of these. There's non-solicitation of the employer's customers, and there's non-solicitation of the employer's employees. And these agreements, at least in most instances, may still be viable. However, it's worth noting that both the FTC and the NLRB have taken the position that a very broad non-solicit or even a very broad similar agreement, maybe even a non-disclosure agreement, could operate as a de facto non-compete agreement, in which case they would take the same position towards those types of agreement agreements that they do toward straight-up non-compete agreements. Again, there's a lot of uncertainty here, and I think this is a good time for employers to take a very careful look at their overall strategy to dealing with post-employment issues and their use of non-compete and similar agreements. It's just a good time to take a step back and look at your strategy in light of everything that's going on and, frankly, your willingness to litigate and your tolerance for risk. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchumley at kmklaw.com, and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional legal counsel.